Hello, everybody. This is Alex Romanovich, and this is Global Edge Talk. And today is September 21st, 2021. And today we have Glenn Reese, who is the founder and CEO, uh, global CEO of a company called Reese Marks. And uh, we'll talk more about Glenn and his path and what the company does. They're in the talent search. They're in the global expansion. They're in the risk management. A lot of interesting, relevant areas. Hello, Glenn. Good afternoon, Alex. Uh, Glenn is speaking to us from London, uh, UK, and um, he has been doing this for the past 20 years, as I mentioned. Prior to that, he was with Hall Kinyon, a fairly well-known um, uh, search firm and uh, in technology innovations. And he was their uh, vice president for EMEA. Uh, prior to that, he was in various operational uh, positions. He was a divisional director for an engineering and education firm, uh, he is a, is quite an entrepreneur. He's a very innovative uh, gentleman. Uh, we're very pleased to have you in our studio. Let's begin with a couple of interesting trends, challenges, and questions that a lot of our global partners, global companies, and some candidates may have. So um, uh, it's not a surprise to all of us that global expansion in 2020 took a slight uh, turn uh, to, the, to the left or to the right, but it actually was a, a relative slowdown uh, for global expansion for a lot of the companies. And a lot of the companies potentially turned local or regional in search of the talent. What did they find, uh, Glenn? What do you think they found when they did that? And what, is the, what are the prospects of us coming out of the pandemic and for those companies being more successful in growing better on the global scene? Well, I think um, if I go back to March last year when this started, um, everyone saw the first eight weeks as everything falling off the cliff and it was very, very difficult. We found that uh, everything stopped and I think everything stopped for every marketplace. But actually for us, uh, we found that after eight weeks, companies realised globally that they still had to carry on and, and they did. And there were it's a candidate-led market. There were candidates out there. And therefore, the biggest difference, Alex, is that they had to do it virtually. They could not meet anybody. And that was their, they were very frightened of this uh, fact. But Reese Marks has been virtually uh, hiring people for about eight years uh, through our offices in the States and, and in the UK and now further afield in, in Asia. And so we were able to talk to clients uh, about the virtual aspect of Zoom and Teams, et cetera. And we found that it wasn't a problem. In fact, we found that our business grew quite uh, dramatically uh, over the last 18 months because clients had to do it virtually and candidates were quite happy to do it virtually. The virtual world has become something quite normal. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk later of where that's going to go in the future. But for us, the whole thing moved very quickly in a positive situation. And I think for candidates too, and we'll talk about that working from home and the different ways of working. Um, so the whole pandemic has skewed the world a bit in the way of hiring and recruitment. I have clients who said to me, we would never hire someone just virtually. Well, they're now doing all their recruitment virtually. So um, it, it's actually been a positive, if you can use that, which I know is terrible. The pandemic's been such a terrible thing. But in our in our marketplace, it has changed everything quite dramatically for employers. 
Well, uh, with that, uh, there's a lot of positive that came out of the pandemic as well. Obviously, a lot of negative as uh, you know as we know it. But um, there's some interesting new trends that are developing. For example, um, we're now seeing some reports uh, globally that folks, uh, because of the virtual environment, folks are holding two or three jobs at a time and not telling their employers. We're also seeing some interesting trends where, and you, you should confirm that, or you will confirm that, uh, telling us a little bit more about your case studies and your use cases, um, uh, there is a demand for uh, more qualified help, and there's also demand for that qualified help to get almost a double salary. There's also an interesting report today in Wall Street Journal that talks about uh, candidates uh, who are expected to get the same pay when they move from a, uh, uh, large cities, for example, to some of the suburban areas, or even to a different state like Utah or um, uh, to a different country. Uh, if you will, in Europe or Asia, what have you, and the employers are very reluctant to pay the same salary. So there's some really interesting trends that are taking place right now. And the question is, will they stick? Will this all come back in about a year to two years when the pandemic is finally uh, over, we hope? Um, or will it stay the same? Uh, that's the million-dollar question, Alexa. Um, what I believe will happen is that everyone moved from working mainly in an office 18 months ago to working at home fully, everyone. And some people didn't have jobs. Uh, a situation has seen that employers have looked at this and you hear some employers, normally smaller companies, seeing that the level of revenues hasn't fallen. So therefore the work ethic hasn't changed and they're doing quite well. Some have said they've done even better. The areas that I think... Uh, will change are the large organisations in cities. Uh, I have friends in the finance and banking world in London and, and Frankfurt, and they're telling me they will all be going back. Uh, and that is the way the larger companies are looking at it. They have a huge property portfolio for a start that will be laying, lying empty. They want to use it. And they also want the element of, I think you need human interaction. This is an, a, a place that people can get that. Whereas smaller companies might be able to deal with everyone being at home. We have now 40 to 50 people within Reese Marks. We went from, I was a stickler as an old school uh, guy. I've been around a long time. That I want everyone in the office. I want to see what they're doing. What, what are we doing today? What are you doing? To being pushed by others in the organization to say, no, 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 let them work away from home. And I've just said earlier, our business is booming. So I have to say, yeah, okay, we will be carrying on in the same way. But some of our employees have said, we want to come in the office. We want to interact. And I think there's a lot of people who will do that. You mentioned the salaries and people saying, well, I'm going to now, I've got this big salary from the city, but I'm now going to be working 100 miles away, but I'll come in two days a week or whatever. I think employers will have to look globally at employment law. That's the first point. They're going to have to look and see what they can do. You've just mentioned people doing more than one job. Uh, obviously, in, in your employment contract, it would normally say you cannot do that. So, therefore, there are reasons to be uh, got rid of. As you know, in the US, you can hire and fire a lot easier than you can in Europe and Asia. So, again, it will be dependent. If you're expanding and globally looking at countries, you've got to be very careful on what the employment law states. And I think it will change over time now through the pandemic where um, laws will come out to change. We've heard about people having to be vaccinated 
Uh, they can't have a job in certain industries if they don't get vaccinated. And there are some people who are saying, I'm, I'm not going to get vaccinated. So there's going to be uh, legal elements to it all. But I think these high salaries away from the office, it depends what industry you're in. And I think, as we've spoken before, Alex, in the past, it depends how good you are. If you're bringing in the revenues, you're doing your job diligently and well, I think there will be some give and take between how they deal with with differing people and employment law will change to cover it. So it'll just be how you want to take it further in in these roles. Um, Totally agree with you. Uh, We're entering some very interesting uh, territory here. Now, of course, the governments are looking at all of this and saying, we're hoping that the companies will come back to the offices. We're hoping they're bringing back the employees. It's a tax base, right? There's really nothing they can do about this other than, I mean, they've been giving money. They've been giving uh, support to the, uh, to the folks worldwide in various different ge- geographies. Uh, there's some tax issues that we're, they're probably going to be facing as well. They need, they need this revenue. Uh, what are they to do? How can they potentially incentivize the companies to come back and bring the employees back as well? Again, that's a difficult one in terms of what they do. The tax element is going to be something they will, most governments will get involved in because it's the only way they can really raise money and they will need to raise money. And we've seen it with the digitalization tax, as I call it, that we're seeing that governments are saying we want these companies like the Amazons of this world, et cetera, paying across the board and not putting themselves in countries where they don't have to pay certain taxes. Um, the thing I think is interesting with governments is they also want businesses to come to countries. You've seen earlier that in Ireland now Facebook are looking to leave. Other companies are doing the same. The whole, as I said earlier, the world is skewed a bit in how they do things. But tax will be something governments will want to bring on businesses, I think, rather than uh, individuals. Um, and they'll see businesses as a way of doing that. But I've always seen over the years that if they're taking with one hand, governments try and give with another hand to try and get those businesses to come to those, be in those countries. So we will see whether uh, that happens. And and you see it now, Alex, with Brexit, the EU, uh, uh, USA. Some countries are going out on a limb and saying, well, we're going to go it alone. And that'll be interesting to see how that comes to fruition over the next few years if anyone else starts thinking. Uh, Switzerland, for example, has been on its own for some, even though it has a, some allegiance with the EU. So whether they would want to uh, offer uh, new ideas to come in. The Dutch have always been keen, as I said earlier, with Amsterdam, the Irish. Um, who knows where the next offer will be for businesses to set up their factories and everything else. But the tax issues will be a massive element in the next two or three years because uh, the spending has been so huge because of the pandemic. Uh, totally in agreement. Uh, today's news, by the way, or maybe it was yesterday's news, AstraZeneca is moving their manufacturing facility or opening new uh, capacity in Ireland, not in UK, not in England. So uh, I wonder if it has anything to do with taxes or taxation or some kind of uh, incentives to... Um, to move the business there instead of the um, instead of the originally planned uh, English expansion, uh, number one. Number two, the global war for talent, the global war for for attracting companies is is on. You know, New York City recently, uh, because of I guess politics or differences of opinion or what have you, lost the bid for Amazon to come in 
into Long Island City. And obviously that means jobs, that means economic development and so forth and so on. Um, what should the companies do when they look at the risks, when they look at the uh, talent, global talent, uh, seeing that the talent could be procured virtually and uh, globally, but what should the companies do when they plan these types of expansions, when they plan the, the, these types of moves? What is the Glint's formula for companies to expand globally and minimize the risk? Well, uh, the, one, the one I would use uh, and have used, it used to be called a pest analysis. It's now a pestle analysis because things have been added on. But it's looking politically, economically, on the sociological uh, grounds, technologically and legally and environmentally. Environment has become massive and it's going to become even bigger, I think, for these companies to look at. And what are they offering? I mean, climate change is being talked about all the time. But I think environmentally, companies need to be uh, realistic as we go forward. There's a new generation coming through and, and my kids talk about it much more than than I do, even though obviously it's a, it's a problem. But I do think they have to look at that pestle analysis and say, well, hang on, politically, where is it a good place to go? Uh, economically, obviously, the taxation we talked about just a minute ago, but there will be other things, Alex, on the economic side of, of, of the business. Technologically, uh, the, the point that you talked about virtually, that's a massive change in, in all of that. You know, sociologically, legally, on the employment law and environmentally, because the world is, is changing and how it will work. So, and there are candidates and candidates will work worldwide. I was on uh, LinkedIn this morning with somebody who I know who was talking about traveling again, business travel. It's the second trip she's done in uh, a number of months after not doing any. And she was saying, again, I'm really keen on the environment. And then someone came back and said, well, you're flying in a plane that's causing all these maybe problems. Well, we can't get over it within two minutes. Things are going to, obviously, a solar powered plane would be fantastic. But businesses will need to carry on looking for, for candidates in the right markets who can work uh, globally, because it is a global world now. I find it incredible. You know, you know, if someone does something in Tokyo, you know about it as quickly as you would do if someone did it down the road from me now. And that isn't going to change. You know, the technology is moving even faster. And I think the candidates are, very, are prepared to work uh, globally. But I do think with the pandemic, some work-life balance has changed. And some people will now say, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm not flying around the world every two minutes on a plane and three weeks of, a year of the month I'm out of away from my family, et cetera, et cetera. The work-life balance will change. Uh, I've seen it for myself. I'm working much more from home than I did in the office. And, you know, I saw my family much more over the pandemic and it was actually quite nice uh, to a certain point. No, no, it was quite nice. But the situation being is that everyone's starting to say, hang on, what do I want out of this, this life that we're in? So I think candidates, when you're saying globally, in New York City will be looking to, to bring companies in to be in New York. London is the same. Frankfurt is the same. Paris is the same. Then you go into Asia and, and then you have China and et cetera. They'll all be looking for companies to come to them. They've got to offer reasons and candidates and having good hires is so important. And one thing I'd say, Alex, that really drives me mad actually uh, over the years is the biggest thing you get in a company are the people. The people drive the business. You get good people in your business, your business will thrive. If you don't, it goes wrong. Whatever technology you've got, whatever else. And sometimes people don't take the time 
to sit there and say, right, let's work with someone and get the right people in this right this this role, not just well, just get someone in Germany. And you need to make sure that you are putting out. I saw today about in the Wall Street Journal the uh, uh, element of uh, some of this software now being used for algorithmics to to get hires. You know, it's about people. It's about culture. It's about paradigm of the organisation. Just doing an algorithm and thinking you're just going to, in some areas I can get it when you're you know, Amazon looking for people to work on a production line, maybe. But in real terms, it's never going to get away from human interaction when you're taking people off. Um, and I do get a bit sort of frustrated when, I'm, when I talk to people who say, well, uh, yeah, we just want someone if they fit. What do you mean you just want someone? Surely you want the best person in the market to work for you. And we need to sell to them why they must come and work for you. And then there isn't that passion on their business. And I find that quite incredible. Sorry, that was a rant. No, no, that's a, it's, it's a very interesting uh, point because uh, obviously we're companies dealing with budgets and, uh, you know, HR directors and leaders within the companies are trying to optimize the budgets, the costs, the candidates, the talents and so forth. And companies like Resmarks, you know, clearly help, are helping them to optimize that. But, um, you know, as we're moving to hybrid environment. And, um, you know, you, you're seeing some of the businesses, for example, some of the managers, top managers on Wall Street saying, hey, you want to continue to get higher salaries, you have to physically come into the office. You have to, if you want perks, you have to congregate here in a physical location, you know, and so forth. Where we're we seeing a lot of resistance from the employees saying, listen, I'm a trader. I can be sitting in front of a terminal at home and doing the same trades that I'm doing and sitting in the office and so forth. So it's a very interesting balance. It's a very delicate balance for businesses to uh, recreate the environment of uh, camaraderie, teamwork, leadership, you know, and so forth. And we're seeing some really interesting and silly articles uh, everywhere, uh, how to game, uh, how to game your, um, you know, your, uh, your being a favorite of the boss without coming into the office or which days do you have to come into the office to make sure that you have the top brass, uh, you know, you, you, you have the ability yeah. to communicate with the top brass and so forth. So it's, it, it's, it's weird how the entire environment is just changing, uh, towards something totally different from what we're used to. Uh, the question I have is, um, what is your, what is your prediction in terms of, are we actually going to go back to, the environment that we had before the pandemic, or are we going to stick with this hybrid, psychologically challenging game, you know, uh, uh, game laced type of environment, gamification type of environment where we're going to be, you know, thinking about Thursdays because Thursdays when the bosses are in the office, right? I mean, is this what, what it's going to, is this what the modern workplace is going to look like? Uh, I think it is for the time being, yes, where it's going long term. I, I think there's something really interesting on this uh, uh, age-related because I, I thought about this and I've spoken to uh, people who are 18 to 30 who want to go in the office. They don't want to – they live, either work at home with their family where they live or they're in a small flat or whatever, especially in cities. And they actually want to go in because they want to go out. 
after work. They want to socialise. They want a completely different type of work-life balance. The others who have family who've sort of done all that, if you want to call it that, and now have some children at home, a wife, and don't want to travel in, you know, uh, 50, 60 miles every morning and back every night, and now can work from home. So there's a dichotomy in, in, in what what I'm seeing and, and talking to people because some are saying, no, if you're an intern, for example, some of the big companies are saying, we've got to have them in the office because they need, we can't, they can't sit at home to be an intern. We need to be, these bigger companies need to have them in. I've seen, again, one of the big financial institutions in the city in London, it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then another team come in Tuesday, Thursday, and then they do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the next. And if you take time, the time off, you can't have a Friday and a Monday because they don't want you to have a long weekend. So when you talk about this game playing, I think there is game playing because people don't actually know how to do it yet. And so over time, we'll get there and there'll be some who fully come back. There'll be some who two days a week, three days a week, and there'll be some who say, no, you can work. And as long as you're being you're, you're, you're generating the return we need and, and things are going well, that's fine. But it will settle down only when the pandemic ends. And it hasn't ended yet, Alex. And that's the problem. Until we get to a point where we can say, yeah, it's near enough. It's whatever it comes to where you can normally have a life. Um, and I think if you, talk, if you talk to me long five years' time, six years' time, I think a lot of people will be back in the office. That's how I see it. Because I think people do like to interact at work. They like a meeting where they can sit and chat. You know, we've interacted over the years, Alex, in the last 18 months, two years, I haven't uh, sat down with yourself. I haven't sat down with uh, any of my management team and, I, and I'm looking forward to it. I want to sit down with uh, Ray Tomasco and I want to sit down with uh, Matt Mann and Nick Gilmore and have a proper conversation because that's you do need that. And I do think that's more important than being at home. But in some instances, that will happen. So hybrid will be the thing and it depends on technology as well. You know, with Zoom that came out, Zoom must have been over the moon with what happened but others will come out with other now further technology that you can utilize even more so and is efficient and effective for you so we're moving to a different world again um but i do think it's hybrid it's going to be hybrid for some time talked what we talked about earlier about employment law and how someone's set up and what their contract is and we're seeing salaries going through the roof as well Alex. we're seeing some senior positions you know companies having to pay much more than they were paying before the pandemic to get people. Um, and at some point that will change. And it'll be not a candidate-led market, it'll be an employers-led market. And that's when candidates need to be wary of saying they won't come in the office. Yeah, yeah, fascinating, fascinating. Um, if you're a company today uh, that has an opportunity to rebuild its entire approach to how they expand, how they attract talent, um, how they find the right talent and put it in the right places. What is your advice to that company? And uh, that's the first question. And the, the other question on the flip side, what is your advice to the candidate who is now sitting at home or doing something on a part-time basis and now wants to get back into the workforce, realizing that the workforce is semi-virtual and they may have to get some new skills or they may have to get some, um, you know, they may have to, to, to get uh, to some new places or uh, revamp their profile or what have you. So first question, first part of the question is, you're a company, you want to expand globally. What is your approach? Or you may, you, you may, may, may want to um, uh, do away with some of the things of the past 
And then if you're a candidate, what is your approach to uh, facing the global world? Well, I mean, if you're, if you're looking to expand as a company, obviously, firstly, to do your research and be sure about how you're, how you're going to land in this uh, region, whichever region or, or country you're going to, and, and understanding always that element of business that uh, there is a risk and you've got to negate that with that uh, information, which, which is fundamentally important. But for me, because I've been in hiring for a long time, it's getting over a story to tell a candidate of why they should join you as a company. What is the reason that you would join them? Um, and in that story is your culture as a company, what you're about as a company. What you're, Even if you're a startup, a small company, you've still got a vision of what you are looking to achieve and what where you think you will be in five years, where you think you'll be in 10 years. And I think, as I said, again, to, to a company putting out in this day and age, is the work-life balance what we're trying to do uh, we give to the community, we, we do what, what other aspects um, within their business. It's not just we're going to get revenues and we want profit and we want, of course, that's part of their, their business plan. But what are you as a company and what's your ethos? Because I think a lot of candidates these days are looking to say, why am I going to join this company? For what reason? Especially SMEs and those expanding uh, and aren't known as well as other large, large companies who will be sold on well, we know this company and I'm happy to join them. You've got to sell to the candidates why, especially in a country you've not been before, how are you going to set up in that company in that country? You're going to use a PEO, you're going to use an EOR, are you actually do you actually have an entity in that country at that time? Are you going to have an entity in that uh, country over time? What is the plans? Because if you're going into a new country, Alex, a new company, and especially depending on culture, you're an American business. Uh, going into South Korea, you're an American business going into China, you're an American business going into Germany, you're a German company going into America. You're, there, are, there are different cultures and it's very much understanding what you're trying to achieve uh, over the, the coming years. So I think for companies, it's, it's don't take a country for granted. Go in and go in properly, obviously researching your business, but making sure you work with someone who will get you the right people. I said about it earlier, the person is going to be so, so important that comes in. When I first started working uh, uh, abroad, if you like, I worked for American tech companies when we started ReSmarts uh, throughout Europe. That's how we set up ReSmarts, was to work for the tech companies coming over into Europe. And I, all, every conversation I had 20 years ago with American companies was we don't want to get stuck in France. We don't want to get stuck in Germany because the employment law was you got took somebody on. Uh, that was very difficult to get rid of them, if you like. Now it's changed a bit and everything else is still not, you know, employment law is what it is. But I always remember it was sort of saying, but surely you knew you had to have an entity before you asked us to find you a person. So it was the cart before the horse. Make sure that you are have got everything ready to go. Talk to the PEOs because they're really useful to use when you're entering a company uh, and EORs to, to, to be able to set up your payroll and everything else you need. And just make sure you've got everything right. But sell your culture and sell your vision and sell what you're going to do as a company in that country. Secondly, you say for candidates, and candidates coming back on, a lot of candidates I know now are, are leaving industries and going into completely different and um, uh, areas. I think if you're coming to, to um, the biggest thing I say to candidates is don't waste anyone's time. If you're going to get set yourself out into the marketplace and you really you get contacted or you suddenly say, yes, I, I want to now, 
I want to go to a different uh, company, etc. Then take it seriously, do it properly, and put a CV together. But it's more about you as a person. Make sure you understand why you're going to that company. And if you don't want to go, don't go. But look at the company and make sure it's a company that you really want to work for. And I, I say this point, Alex, because you do get people who want to just, well, let's see what's out there in the market and I'll go along and see what's, what's happening. I would say to people, don't do that. Don't waste companies' time. As it won't, won't make you look good if you go right the way through a process and then drop out saying, oh, actually, I'm staying where I am. So I think it's really important candidates take it seriously and work with people who will actually take you seriously. Because, yeah, I get a, I, I, I've, again, been in the industry a long time and people talk to me about recruitment companies. So, oh, I've had terrible uh, problems. Well, you shouldn't have terrible problems. We've, I've had terrible candidates as terrible recruitment. There's always a, an element of, of uh, problems in every industry. All I'm saying is you should be dealt with properly by whoever you're talking to. So a company should, you know, if you send your CV, I hear all the time, I didn't get a reply. It's difficult to say that all the time everyone's going to be on top of everything. But candidates need to take it seriously and look at what they can sell themselves and why would someone take them on. If they were, if they were doing the hiring, why would they take them on? That's what I say to a candidate. Fascinating. Uh, great conversation, Glenn. I want to thank you for being our guest on Global Edge Talk. And um, we will be posting some additional information about you, about the company, about your bio, uh, about some really interesting projects and things you've done in the past and doing right now. Um, so uh, I want to thank you for being our guest and uh, we will continue this conversation. Thank you so much. No problem at all, Alex. Anytime.